Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we've spent a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 2, Beginning with Spiritual Transformation. And Ruth, I'll just dive right in. Uh, what do you think the best thing is that any leader brings to their leadership context? Well, that is the heart of why the Transforming Center exists. <laughs> yes. We believe that the best thing any of us bring to leadership is our own transforming selves. And one of the main reasons for that is a systemic, is a systems point of view on living things, you know, that um, whatever is good and healthy and whole and functional within a system will find its way out to all the fringes of the organization or the church or the community. And whatever is broken and dysfunctional and not working very well will also affect the whole community. Like Martin Luther King Jr., he says, he talks about the fact that we are a web of mutuality. Yes. And it's really true that whatever is good and healthy in us as individuals will bring that to the group, whatever is broken and dysfunctional and unattended to will we'll also bring that to the group and it will affect us all. So um, I'm thinking about our blindnesses mm -hmm. again, as we talked about mm -hmm. last episode and whether or not we're caught in uh, trying to preserve a system that really actually probably needs to change uh, or any other type of blindness. It occurs to me that at especially if we're point leaders, we sometimes feel like we have to hide the blindness, we have to hide the limitations, and we really are too busy, uh, frankly, mm -hmm. to attend to our own soul. Yeah. It's selfish to do mm -hmm. that. It's we, we got all these other people to uh, attend to. And so the fact that you say the best thing that you can bring to your setting is your own transforming self is actually a pretty bold and countercultural yes, move it is. when we're mm -hmm. honest. That's right. So first of all, I just want to say that mm -hmm. out loud. And second of all, um, so if it's that hard, um, where does a leader start? And especially like I can see a leader reading this book or mm -hmm. listening to this podcast. And we got a lot of decisions coming up. We got yeah. a capital campaign coming mm -hmm. up. We're moving from two services to seven services. Yeah. <laughs> That will so, not be good for yeah. your soul. Can I just say that? No discernment needed. That will not be good for your soul or the souls of anyone in your congregation. <laughs> our church actually discerned moving from two services to one yes. service. That that was our that was one of our that actual really discernment. Yeah. Yes. So and we did it yeah. and it's been one of the best decisions yes. we've ever made. Yeah, I've just heard of another um, church recently that's done that and what yeah. a healthy choice that yeah. is. So anyway, um so if it's if it's really Honestly, that countercultural, although it sounds obvi so obvious mm -hmm. and so biblical, of course, healthy leaders and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, where does a leader start that wants to be about spiritual discernment in community, but also recognizes, man, I've got two out of the four of the blindnesses. I don't have good rhythms in my own life. I work too much. Uh, if, if, if I'm honest, I feel pretty dry and I know how to get up and do ministry mm -hmm. on stage but 
when I'm by myself, I feel pretty empty. Yeah. Where does it start? Well, first of all, if you don't mind, I'd like to to um, discuss the fine nuance between a healthy leader and a transforming leader. Yes. Because I think there's a lot of healthy leaders out there who aren't necessarily pressing into their own transformational Got journey. It. So I don't use the word healthy okay. leader and transforming leader interchangeably. Good. Um, there are basically healthy people who have been raised in a healthy home mm-hmm. and who, you know, are healthy, but they're not pressing intentionally into their own transformational journey. And those are two really different things because to press into one's transformational journey, you've got to really prioritize that. And as you said, it is very countercultural. It's one thing to keep yourself healthy. It's another thing to press in and to go further with God yourself. Yes. And so I'm falling down on the side of the transforming leader here and saying that a leader who wants to lead... Um, who wants to be discerning themselves and wants to lead others in a discerning process and hold a discernment process for a leadership group needs to be pressing in really intentionally to their own journey of transformation. And that involves being healthy emotionally and physically and in every other way, but it also involves the practices that keep us open to God's transforming work that carries us beyond just health into a really dynamic, transforming um, encounter with God. And so the practices associated with that are the ones that we've talked about as we've talked about sacred rhythms, um, opening ourselves to God in solitude and silence, which helps us to distinguish the voices in our lives. And I think that's that's one of the ways that practice relates to corporate leadership discernment, is that in solitude, we learn to distinguish the one true voice from all the other voices that clamor for our attention. And you just cannot do discernment without that ability to distinguish. And solitude and silence is the place where the other voices fall away and becomes quieter, and you hear the one true voice, and you get accustomed to recognizing and responding to it, um, to be cultivating our relationship and our friendship with God through prayer. Um, you just don't want leaders at your leadership table who aren't in a real friendship with God that's being cultivated intentionally because discernment arises out of relationship. Discernment has to do with knowing the heart of God, having allowed that voice to become familiar to you in your own life, and then you you recognize it when you're in the leadership environment as well. Um, being able to receive scripture and to allow scripture to penetrate our lives um, beyond just theological thinking and study and all that sort of thing, but to really allow scripture to come into a moment of decision and discernment making and penetrate our thoughts and our false selves and give us a word of guidance that's that's clearly of God, to know how to receive scripture that way. Well, an really example important. of that would be your in episode one, your movements through the four levels of blindness. Exactly. That's, that's not just reading the story, mm-hmm. that's letting the story enter you yes. and read and, you. And yes, and challenge your own, like challenge you, like the scriptures are challenging us in John 9, yeah. you know? Um, I think another really important aspect of d- discernment as it relates to spiritual practice is the practice of self-examination. You want leaders at your leadership table who are practicing self-examination, which by definition means that they know the difference between their false self and their true self. Because I'm telling you, if you don't have leaders at the table who are practicing self-examination, they'll be bringing their false self and they won't even know it. And you cannot get anywhere when people's false self stuff is just you know, rising up, you get a bunch of false selves relating to each other and very little discernment goes on at a table like that. So when people ask me what are the most important practices related to discernment and corporate discernment, I say solitude and silence and self-examination. The others are important as well, but if I was going to focus on two, 
it would be those two. And Parker Palmer talks a lot about the fact that a, le a leader must take special responsibility for what's going on inside his or her consciousness. Otherwise, the act of leadership can be destructive. And it's really true. And we see that in the Pharisees in the John 9 story. Their leadership was actually destructive to the community and to the individuals involved because they their own lives were unexamined and they didn't realize the false self stuff that was driving driving them. The other one I'll mention, and this one seems a little bit odd that one might mention it, but I think the sacred rhythm of work and rest and having sane rhythms of work and rest in our lives, in the lives of the leaders who are sitting around the table, is really important. Because how many times have we been in a leadership meeting and it's 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, people are falling asleep, they make a decision and they make a bad decision because they're all so tired they just want to go home. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I, I do feel that leaders who are living with insane rhythms of work and rest is really important because it means they're going to be they're going to be able to bring a fresh and replenish self to the process of discernment. And discernment takes more than just decision making. It takes real presence to God. It takes presence to one another. It takes presence to oneself. Sometimes what God leads us to is going to be risky. And if we're tired, we say, I just can't do it because I'm too tired. Whereas, or I'll just do it because, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'll just go along yeah, because yeah. everybody else is, you know, and, and we don't have the inner stamina to bring the insight that God is bringing to us. Yeah. So it sounds really counterintuitive, but I would say that that's another very important aspect of our own personal practice that leads us to be better at the leadership table. Yeah. So um, I love where this is going because I'm imagining myself at a board table mm -hmm. or at a pastoral staff mm -hmm. meeting or a nonprofit meeting mm -hmm. where you got your leadership team yeah. and you're really, you as a point leader are passionate about moving in this direction. Mm -hmm. And you can tell Sally to your left is totally on board. Mm -hmm. She's on it. She's mm -hmm. in, she, she's going to jump at this. Um, but Kate across from me is a doer mm -hmm. and she's a type A, I, I just want to get things done. Um, how do you begin to help the leaders on your team become transforming leaders? Mm -hmm. How do you invite them into that? How do you notice when someone just isn't gonna say yes to that? Mm -hmm. Well, you'll notice the resistance. Yeah. I mean, you'll notice their unwillingness to enter into the practices here. I have found it helpful with leaders who are activistic and visionary and wanting to get things done is to really raise this question of, as we're activistically doing, do we want to be doing our own will or do we want to be doing, yeah. you know, the will of God? And in fact, um, in, in the early chapter and actually in chapter one, I talk about the question of if we are not actively and intentionally discerning the will of God together, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Now, that is a question right there. And people of any sort of wisdom and maturity at all can answer it. They will say, well, we're doing our own will, perhaps, yeah. or we're doing what our egos are driving us to do, or we're doing what the culture is driving us to do. Um, I mean, it's, that, is, that is a challenging question, but it's not a hard question to answer. If yeah. we're not intentionally discerning the will of God together as a group, what are we doing? And I think any Christian leader, it's a deep desire of our hearts as Christian leaders to want to be discerning the will of God before we do anything. So I think you've got to get to that basic desire and that basic commitment because if we aren't doing this what are we doing let's ask the question let's talk about it stop right here stop and ask the question what are we doing what if <clears throat> you know someone on your elder team and this is i i, I really am asking for, for a, friend. a friend i know this I, is I, I, honestly that is assumed yeah, steve this is not true about my <laughs> team i love my team yeah but 
I have been on teams yeah. where someone is an elder because mm-hmm. they're uh, they're great at finance. And mm-hmm. you need that. Right. That is an essential an, part yes, of the team. Absolutely. But they're not they, they don't they're not thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Like they're not thinking I mean of course because they're part of a church, they yeah. would give lip service to doing God's will together. But if they then were honest and even like God's like we can actually figure out mm-hmm. God's will. That sounds a little woo-woo yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, without just kicking the person out of the room, how do you help someone move, take take a click toward that? Well, I think we do really need to understand that this is a theological issue yes. as well. And so you might have to dig into some theology. And I do put some biblical and theological yeah. foundations in the book Pursuing God's Will together because some people are going to need to be convinced at that level. And so it takes you all the way back to what is the role of Jesus Christ in his church. Yeah. You know, Paul Anderson has this wonderful quote that talks about that if, if, if we do serve a resurrected Lord, Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, he desires to lead his church. And if he desires to lead his church, then his will should be sought by yeah. us. And yeah. if it can be sought, it can be done. Yeah. And so Theologically, if Jesus is alive as the head of the church, what else are we doing except yeah. trying to find ways to know what the head of the church is saying and to respond to it? The other thing that's you know a basic theological belief, which is challenging to some what what we could call functional atheists, is is the role of the Trinity. Like, do we really believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And do we believe that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit is active among us and can be attended to? Yeah. And and so if we do, if we do believe that the Holy Spirit is given to us here and now to reveal more of God's truth as we're able to bear it, that's what John, that's what Jesus said in the book of John about the role of the Holy Spirit. I've given you the Holy Spirit to reveal truth as you're able to bear it. If we do believe that, then there needs to be a way in our in our meetings together, in our leadership together, that acknowledges that third person of the Trinity mm-hmm. and seeks to know what, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us so that we can follow what the Holy Spirit is saying. Mm-hmm. So I think, man, if you if your group needs some of this theological work, do it. Yeah. Take however long you need, but do- dive into the theological and biblical foundations because if if you're not on board with this, I even question how deeply someone is adhering to some of the basic truths of the Christian faith. Yeah. Well, and so I'm looking at the candle that's mm-hmm. lit between us. Mm-hmm. And there. And so before we entered into this day of recording, yeah. mm-hmm. you lit the candle, we prayed together. Yeah. And it can be as, as simple as doing some practices that help us remember Mm -hmm. that we're not just diving into a day of recording. Mm -hmm. We're not just, it's, no, no, hold on. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is present, active, speaking to Mm -hmm. us. Jesus is alive. He wants to be here with us as an active presence. Yeah. So there are practices Mm -hmm. that can help us remember and stay rooted and even in seasons of busyness. Mm -hmm. So So can I, and maybe I could just give a, a little warning here then. So for someone like you, Steve, who really gets it, and you've got a team that may be in different places, not not you, your real team yeah, now, because yeah. you've already brought your team along, but you symbolizing other pastors. Yeah. Um, you can be all convinced, but it would be a mistake for right. you not to do what your group needs you to do in order to prepare them. So wherever the resistance is, I encourage you to take time to be with that person and their resistance. 
And it could be that part of it is going to be going back to some of the, just the basic, laying down the basic biblical and theological foundations for why we are going to become a group that discerns and does the will of God. You'll never regret the time that you spend. You as the leader who's already convinced might wish you were six months down the road in the process. But harness that, hold it back, and be kind and loving and bring your people along. Um, And this aspect is one of the things that some people might need and give them the time they need and have the discussion in the group about what you really believe about the presence of Jesus Christ wanting to lead his church through the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, I would underline that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it takes time. And we're always going to wish we were further along yeah. down the line. Mm-hmm. But as you said, if we're not trying to discern the will of God and doing it, then we're, especially if we're leading churches or nonprofits that are trying to do the will of God, then you're right. W- what are we doing? I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we'll keep people busy. Yeah. And we may even grow, but it's, it, we're, we're, we're not doing the heart of spiritual leadership. Right. And I also feel like then we are also, you know, in a place where we could be tempted and seduced to doing more than what God is actually calling us to do. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of in our yeah. church culture these days is that everybody wants to meet every need in their community. And so churches are wearing their people out mm-hmm. because they're trying to do too much. They're trying to do everything as opposed to discerning what God is calling them uniquely to do and just doing that. Because I do not believe that God calls us into a place of dangerous levels of exhaustion. I don't think God pushes his church into places of dangerous levels of exhaustion where people have no time for their own personal practice yeah. and they're burning themselves out. That is not of God. And I think one of the things that happens uniquely in a discernment process is that our egos are checked a little bit. We get in touch with what our real motives are, and then God can show us what is uniquely ours to do and how we can trust other Christians in the community to do some of those things that we're not being called to do right now. Which is interdependence and, and the body, the of, body Christ. of Christ. As opposed to us being so independent <laughs> yes. that we have to just do everything yeah. and kill ourselves while we're doing it. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so let's say a leader has done some of that work and now we're around a table and we invite Ruth Haley Barton or someone in to lead us in learning how to practice communal discernment, discernment in community. Um, what, what happens next? Like what, what, so let's say you are leading and we even talked about when you were leading our team at a church I was working at Mm -hmm. years ago and we were learning how to discern together Mm -hmm. and we were kind of excited about it. And we had several things that we really needed to Mm -hmm. discern God's will to go. What, so what happens? Yeah. Well, I remember that moment well because, um, it was a group of activistic people who really wanted to do good things in God's name. And we were working through, you know, the possibilities of becoming a group that discerns and does the will of God together. And I remember you saying at that moment, wait a second, I don't think that those of us who are the individual leaders in this room are all on the same page about these spiritual practices, not in terms of our stating our you know, the goodness of them, but in our practice, we're not all in the same place. We haven't established our own sacred rhythms yet enough for us to move into the actual process of discernment. And that is a very brave statement. When someone in the room is is able to call it and to say, yeah, we are very passionate about discerning and doing the will of God. I mean, all of us activistic doers do want to get to the place where we can say that with some sort of confidence, but nobody wants to take the time to cultivate their leadership in such a way that they can actually engage in that process well. And so, you know, at that point, the, the decision became, will we stop right here and take six months or take nine months and really work with sacred rhythms and make sure that each and every person at this table is practicing their own sacred rhythms and has a rule of life that enables them to show up, you know, 
in good shape when we come together to discern. And it's always a very shocking moment. It's almost like the emperor has no clothes kind yeah, of a moment, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and, and yet it's always a very good moment when someone can say something that true and the group can stop and take some time to get on the same page with their sacred rhythms before moving on to doing discernment together. Um, and there, there's one other one that I do want to mention um, because it's its own chapter in the book, and that is that I believe that each leader at the table needs to be a personal discerner. Yes. Before they try to engage in leadership discernment. The dynamics of discernment are so challenging to the false self and so challenging to the group and to the group life that each person really does need to know experientially and have, you know, had the experience of the dynamics of personal discernment, really committed to that way of living in their own personal life. That's the best preparation to coming to a leadership table and participating in corporate leadership discernment. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the practice of self-examination mm-hmm. in that. And I think just doing the St. Ignatius examine, mm-hmm. the end of most days where you say, where did I feel like I was partnering with mm-hmm. God today? And where do I feel like I was out on my own? Or any, mm-hmm. any there's almost limitless mm-hmm. questions like that that you could ask. That and then at the end of thirty days, you 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 know you start to you're look. starting and yeah. you're starting to discern the presence of God mm-hmm. in your ordinary life, and then you bring that to your leadership setting, and you have confidence in it. And you're willing to offer it, and if everybody else is also practicing, they can receive it. Yeah, very well. Yeah, and and see it as being valuable. Um, I remember that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why people listened to me mm-hmm. is because I was the most activistic mm-hmm. leader at that table. Like, mm-hmm. I was going to be the one that was actually going to be like, oh, you know. Do we have to do yeah, this? Do Can this? we just get yeah. on with yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I was just, mm-hmm. I, I remember that I love that team. Mm-hmm. But I also remember, you know, when I, when people would confront me, which they did at times mm-hmm. and they needed to. It was about hey you're mm-hmm. you're you're the guy stuck in traffic yeah. honking his horn, mm-hmm. and so I think um, and that was a moment for me even where I actually felt like oh maybe I am hearing mm-hmm. from God yeah. you know mm-hmm. because this is not something that, that you would typically have been the one to say or to bring right. yes so you're now distinguishing between the the voice of your own ego and the voice of the Holy Spirit saying something really true to your soul yes and you're willing to bring it out to the group yes. and it was a large group too yeah. it was about twenty five people in the yeah. room so it, it took some courage to say yeah. something yeah. like that. But I think it changed the traje- trajectory of how how the process began to unfold. Yeah. So again, I think another, um, as we're moving through discernment, there's no direct flight from mm-hmm. episode one to episode mm-hmm. nine. We have to remember that. <clears throat> there are building blocks. And I think you mentioned solitude and silence and then prayer and then scriptures. And, and, and those three things are three different things. Right. You talk about silence and solitude as a kind of container that mm-hmm. you have to create yeah. actually before you move into mm-hmm. different kinds of prayer. Um, and I would say if you're interested in any of that, Ruth's book, Sacred Rhythms, uh, she has a DVD. There's a DVD course if you want to bring uh, the team through it or you know, the book is available. It's fantastic. And um, so that might be a place where you and your leadership team might want to start. Right, um, right. And so, and or you could go back to season one, I believe it was, of our podcast where mm-hmm. we did that together. Yeah. So um, you, uh, in your book, I love that you, you share um, a kind of a fictional account of this fictional church called Grace Church. But every example you give from this composite church are actual things that actually happened in one setting mm-hmm. or another. So um, 
in, in, so in this, uh, Grace Church was facing some big decisions. They were exhausted. And after a retreat, they decided they needed to spend the next six months reading about and practicing basic spiritual disciplines together. And then they'd gather together for another retreat to, to practice discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, anything you want to say about, because we're going to return to Grace Church, mm-hmm. um, about leadership teams and leaders who are wanting to dive into communal discernment. Well, I do think that this question of whether or not each leader is prepared to participate in discernment is the most important question here at the beginning. Yeah. And so I think even a real conversation where you allow people to actually share honestly where they're at with the spiritual disciplines and, you know, that's going to assume a little bit of safety in Mm -hmm. your group that you've already cultivated a safe environment. And sometimes that can't be assumed. Because a lot of groups who are together for leadership purposes, they come in with their leadership hats on, pressing and pushing and, you know, being territorial or wanting to prove that they've got something to offer. And so it's not a safe environment to say, well, guess what? You know, I haven't been practicing solitude and silence. I haven't, you know, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. Or um, there's not enough safety cultivated in that group to even share on the level of what are your spiritual practices these days and how are they contributing to your life and leadership. So you might need to begin to cultivate a place for conversation conversation about these things and then let people speak honestly, go over some of these spiritual disciplines and then have a conversation where you allow each person to speak honestly about where they're at with their spiritual practices these days. Um, that's a it's a really important question and really you, you shouldn't skip it. Right. It, it, it seems like it goes against your desire to do something, but in the end your doing is going to be better and how, what you discern is going to be clearer and truer if you've actually established a group of leaders who are practicing these things. Now, sometimes people will ask, well, what do I do if the people in my group mostly are not interested in this and don't want to do this, or this wasn't even part of the expectation when we invited them to be elders? Um, I think you need to really look seriously at that question, because if you are shifting your group from being a group that just makes decisions out of your cognition and out of your intellect, and out of your leadership horsepower, and now you're shifting to a place of discernment, you need to establish the fact that this is what you're doing and be all right with the fact that some people may say, you know what, this is not what I signed up for. I'd really rather not, you know, do this at this time and let them either move off themselves because to say that's not what I'm interested in right now or through a process of attrition because in most situations there are board terms, three years or something like that. It could be that you might even want to just let the process of attrition work its magic and those people who don't want to participate in this eventually move off. And now you're, you as a leader and your leadership group has now established this is your new norm. Mm-hmm. And the people that you invite on now are people who are well prepared for this, who want to engage in corporate leadership discernment. And what I have found is that many times when a group has established this new identity, there are people that actually want to be on the board because they say, really, if I, get, if I yeah. come on your board, I'm going to get to experience spiritual transformation. We're going to actually talk about our spiritual practices. We're going to actually resource each other in these things. I'm actually going to get to experience discerning and doing God's will together. Yeah, sign me up. I want to be a part of something like that. So that's what I've discovered, that while there are some people who don't want that, there are other people who might actually join now because they see that this group is different than just a typical board. Yes, 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 yes. And can we maybe assume if if God is leading us to being people who desire discernment, then God might be leading your church and your team and your you know mm-hmm. I mean like I, I I would hope that um, 
that that doesn't happen in isolation, you know, mm-hmm. that God doesn't lead me toward that, but not everyone else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, yes. And um, we all hopefully are open and following the same spirit. Yes. And if the Holy Spirit is doing something, hopefully the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of us about the fact that this is the way that we're moving. And sometimes when a leader is able to articulate their own desire to move into leadership that's more characterized by discernment, and they they are brave enough to bring that desire to the group, there are other people in the group that say, it's amazing that you're saying that because I've had that desire too. Um, And then you find out, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit has been at work already before I even brought it. But it's your courageous bringing it that enables other people to say, yeah, that's exactly what I've been longing for. So, uh, Spiritual transformation is the absolute beginning moment or mm-hmm. beginning uh, commitment that leaders need to make if they're going to move toward discernment mm-hmm. and community. And if you're a point leader, that might mean having some good conversations, some hard conversations with certain mm-hmm. people. Uh, and it means moving slowly. And yeah. it means taking the time to do do the good work that will pay off in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me that in Romans 12, 2, Paul actually establishes a cause and effect relationship between spiritual transformation and discernment. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So those little words, so that, establishes a cause and effect relationship between formation and discernment. So I think that's just lovely, you know, because he's saying, if you are not involved intentionally in a spiritual transformation process, you're not going to be able to discern and do the will of God. You're not going to be able to distinguish it from your own will. And so I think it's important for us at the end of this episode in particular to come back to this biblical truth that formation is prerequisite to discernment. And if you gather a group of leaders who aren't engaged in a discern- in a formation process, it's going to be very hard, if not impossible, to engage in discernment together. I agree. I agree. Well, do you have a prayer that you would like to close this episode with, Ruth? I do. And this one is from one of our favorite pastors, Ted Loader. He's a Methodist pastor. And his prayer is this, and I think it can be our prayer as well as we feel uh, invited into our own journey of transformation. Oh, God, let something essential happen to me, something more than interesting or entertaining, or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me, something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters, a change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode me into tears or laughter or love that throbs or screams or keeps a terrible cleansing silence and dares the dangerous deeds. Let something happen in me, which is my real self, O God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. In episode three, leaders who are discerning, we're going to take a look at common mistakes that you see leaders make when it comes to making decisions together without discerning. And uh, we're going to talk about the five foundations of discernment. So can't wait for that. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from. So we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. In July, the Transforming Center will launch their 15th Transforming Community. 
If God has stirred up something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin a transforming leadership journey of your own. I joined Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. The Transforming Community Experience is designed to better integrate your faith and your leadership. The two-year experience of spiritual formation is designed for pastors, leaders, and influencers. It is grounded in scripture, animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation in community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please leave a comment wherever you listen to the podcast and visit transformingcenter.org to learn more about how to apply for the next Transforming Community.